From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Fed's not going to do anything in the near term. In six months, maybe we'll have more signs that this inflation uh, bump is a little more sustainable. I don't know. He's he's not going to do anything until we we get through this little inflation bump and we see evidence that, um, you know, it is or isn't sustainable. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder, as always. Jeff, did you happen to catch the interview with Oprah, Harry, and Meghan last night? I knew you were going to lead with that. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. I didn't watch it live, but I did see a a lot of the reports. Uh, Yeah, some... Some eyebrow raising comments, uh, no doubt. Um, I, I'm a, I guess I'm a fan of uh, Meghan Markle because we share an alma mater. Yeah, uh, which one was that? That Duke or Northwestern? I assume uh, Northwestern. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, go so, cats. There you go. So if we're if you are watching on the YouTube channel, I've got the comment, and you thought your family was messed up, is what I'm titling that one. I watch bits and pieces of it. I mean, you know, the All Star Game was going on, NBA All Star Game, and. Some other, my wife's been out of town for a couple of days up in Ohio. So I'm in charge of the three kids. But nonetheless, I was watching some of it. And, you know, guy didn't talk to his brother anymore, didn't talk to his dad. They kind of shunned her. Now, there's two sides to every story. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But my, oh, my. Let's just say the people that were the most excited last night were probably the writers for The Crown, that Netflix show. I love that show. And they're apparently going to do up to like real time, you know, or real time as they can get. And I think last night's interview gave them a whole season's worth of, uh, <laughs> stuff to talk about so anyway so enough about um well everybody's got a messed up family but i think after last night the royal family might take the take the cake my oh my so jeff this week in the lpl market signals podcast we're going to talk about a lot of different things we're going to talk about um how higher rates potentially aren't the worry that so many people think they are as it comes to your investments. We're going to have another growth value discussion. Obviously, the continued rotation out of growth and into value. Maybe there's a time for growth to come back here. And obviously, a lot of it has to do with rates. Then we're going to finish things up with a um, little bit of a Fed discussion. Jerome Powell had some comments last week. And then also some, once again, strong, improving economic data. And we'll also maybe talk a little bit about the uh, next uh, one point, likely $1.9 trillion dollar fiscal stimulus plan and who knows by the time someone listed this podcast it could have happened but jeff does highlight or low light maybe depending how you look at it i don't know of last week again was rates the 10-year yield soared higher up over it's up about 160 uh, as we speak it was up over 160 last week that's the highest level again since well before the financial crisis Historically, that's not a very high level, but it's all relative, right? Um, On March 9th of 2020, so right about a year ago, a year ago tomorrow from the time we're recording this, was the lows in the 10-year yield. Went down about 50 basis points approximately uh, last late July, early August as well. And it was kind of off to the races since then. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about this, Jeff, but just high level. Why is a 10-year yield doing this? Why is it going up almost, you know, over 100 basis points, I guess you could say, from where it was this time a year ago? Yeah, if, if you want to boil it down to one thing, it's it's rising economic growth expectations. And that is certainly tied to all the stimulus that we're getting. We're going to get another $1.9 trillion here very soon, probably tomorrow. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, with that comes higher inflation expectations. So, you know, those two things together uh, are a um, powerful combination. And uh, we're now over, you know, a full one percentage point off 
uh, of those loads you talked about last year. It's been a big move in a pretty short period of time. And, you know, we've seen this before where people are nervous about the Fed jumping in and that causes the stock market to be a little jittery. Mm -hmm. Now, walk me off the ledge here. Let's say I'm worried about inflation. I see all the spending that's going on. I see an economy and we'll talk again more about the economy later, but really strong, improving economy with all of a sudden some jobs numbers starting to come back. We got another $1.9 trillion coming on top of $3 trillion last year. You know, overheating makes some sense to me. Why should an investor um, not be overly concerned about massive inflation and how that could potentially could impact their investments and their portfolios? Well, one reason is there are structural forces pushing down on inflation, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, the obvious one we all know about is um, you can comparison shop. With the internet and you know Amazon and all that, everybody knows what things should cost and what they're willing to pay. Um, that transparency keeps prices down. You know, another one is is globalization, right? You can you can still find cheaper manufacturing looking around the world, whether it's China, Vietnam, New Mexico, uh, Mexico, wherever you want to look. Um, so it's going to be tougher to uh, you know this next leg up in inflation is going to be tougher to get than the last leg up. Clearly, the Fed thinks it's going to be hard to get inflation right. over 2% uh, for a sustained period of time. Um, we would we would agree with that. These structural forces have been in place for a long time, and um, they're not going away here just because we've, we've got a bunch of stimulus. Yeah, I've said before, your cell phone is the ultimate deflation mechanism, right? I mean, you can go on there and you can order whatever you want. Literally, before Jeff and I were recording this, I said, oh, I got a text. Just see what it was. And it was Amazon telling me that I've got some new darts coming. I have a dart board for my boys, right? And they, of course, you might be shocked to hear this. They broke some of the darts. I know. It's amazing. But anyway, I go online and I'm looking right at the dart board in front of me there. I type in the, the, the company it was and there's six darts for like seven bucks. And I push a couple buttons and they're going to be delivered tomorrow. And, it, you know, I went for the cheapest darts that I could find that match that board. And that's what just about every consumer is doing. So believe me, there are some some valid reasons to see more inflation coming down the road. And there could that could be the case. But again, these bigger structural things we just talked about um, likely will keep a lid on it. And every time Janet Yellen opens her mouth and every time Fed Chairperson Powell opens his mouth, they say the same word, transitory, which is a word I don't know if anyone ever used that word a few years ago. But it just simply means, yes, inflation's there's some pockets of inflation going higher. Input and outputs, uh, when you look at manufacturing, a lot of the manufacturing data showing some high levels of commodities and things they have to pay for. Inflation's coming back there, but it's also a likely a function of everything stopped a year ago, and now we're coming back online. So those are some positive, uh, po positive things, I think. But Jeff, the other thing then, let's take it to the next step. So um, this week in our weekly market commentary, we broke this down because if you look at what's happening, we're going to talk about value growth next. So this conversation's coming, but we've seen some massive moves out of growth. That's been going into value, which is good. But overall, the stock market's been pulling back a little bit on concerns. If you listen to CNBC and other places, 10-year yields going higher. And you know maybe it's a little inflationary. Maybe it is economic growth. Whatever it is, it's got some jitters to the overall stock market. Um, you know, Tell me a little bit about the weekly market commentary that by the time people hear this, they can go, um, they can go read. Uh, we'll have that in the show, a link to that in the show notes later but how exactly higher rates usually are not the end-all be-all to a bull market. In fact, the bull market keeps going when the 10-year yield keeps going higher. Yeah, people probably are surprised to, to see this. Um, you know, for those watching, you can see that uh, a lot of these rising interest rate periods saw stocks go solidly higher. I mean, yep. especially over the last 20 years, right? Um, you know, so why, why have stocks done so well? 
uh, during these periods. And, and it goes back to growth expectations, right? If people expect uh, stronger economic growth, you know, and with that, a little more inflation, it makes sense that, you know, interest rates would go up and earnings would go up, right? Because more economic growth typically would mean more earnings, and that's good for stocks. So stocks should celebrate the uh, improving economic backdrop, and they are right now, right? Which is a good thing, but you know, with that comes uh, rising rates. So if you can get past these little jitters that we've seen over the last few weeks, um, it's not much in, in terms of jitters, right? The S&P right. 500 is only down 2% from its all-time high. So it's not the much- humanity. Of, <laughs> that's right. It's not a big pullback, but clearly, you know, tech's peak to trough was down almost 10%. So we get at some of the areas of the market are, are doing worse than, than others, are more interest rate sensitive uh, than others. But you typically get through these jittery periods pretty quickly, and then you you know set the stage for the next move higher. Um, so we would not sell stocks just because uh, rates are going higher. And the last thing on that, Ryan, you know um, the the type of environment you're in matters. So you know stocks don't do as well in rising rate periods when you've got an inflation problem. Which we had, you know, certainly in the '70s, right? Stocks don't do as well in a rising rate period when rates are already high and go higher. Well, clearly, we're not uh, in that environment uh, right now. And then uh, yield curve, right? When long rates are are high and short rates are low, that is a positive economic growth signal. Stocks tend to do better in rising rate environments under that condition, and we have that now too. Uh, exactly. That's called what we call, I guess, a steepening yield curve. And I know we talked, I think, every week about the yield curve this time about a year ago or so is the yield curve inverted um, and historically an inverted yield curve, which we're nowhere close to, by the way, right now, um, tends to lead to a potential economic uh, recession. And it, once again, it was right. But we're seeing the exact opposite, you could say, with a steepening of the yield curve now, again, as long term rates are going up uh, quicker uh, than short term rates, which obviously the Fed controls short term rates. We'll talk about the Fed here in a minute, but short term rates are, are calm. I saw some things that, you know, like, a 30-year mortgage back above 3% for the first time in a while uh, just recently. Again, that's those, the longer end of the curve is starting to increase. Um, you know, so so Jeff, the, the good conversation there. Again, people can check out the weekly market commentary, but I think the bottom line is when you see all the jitters and concerns about a higher trending yield um, or 10-year yield, I should say, it, it usually is not a bad sign for the stock market in general. But let's go to part two of this. Maybe it's a bad sign for growth stocks. And if you watch it along on the YouTube channel, we've got a simple growth versus value relative strength chart. What happened last year? Growth trounced value by the widest margin in the history. Widest margin. Get all excited talking about it in the history of mankind. Last year, now you could say maybe just some reversion to the mean after a big, big run in growth stocks last year, and honestly for the last ten years. But now we're seeing growth do. I'm sorry, value do better. It's a steepening yield curve, little higher um, inflation expectations, and 10-year yield tend to be more of a tailwind for financials and some of the other cyclical value areas, your materials, your industrials, and energy stocks. By the, by the way, energy stocks are up like um, – almost 40% for the year, okay? And uh, maybe they're pulling back a little bit, but um, that's where they were, at least as of last week. So amazing run there. I mean, Jeff, we've talked a lot about growth value, but again, it's one of the most popular questions we get. So I guess my question to you, value has done great relative to growth the last, we'll call it month and a half or so. Um, do you think it's going to continue or are we finally going to get a buying opportunity in growth here? Oh, the, yeah, this this rotation might be uh, in its... Um 
you know, last leg here, um, you know, when good fundamentals go on sale, buyers tend to step in, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for well, a 10% correction in tech, we saw some buyers yep. step in. Given how strong the fundamentals are in, in these growth areas, uh, I would be surprised if this sell-off got, got much bigger. I mean, the growth stocks are going to benefit from the stimulus too. This is really more about sentiment than about the market saying fundamentals for growth stocks are bad. So look for tech to get some support here uh, fairly soon. Um, the other way to look at it is, you know, these these rotations in the market tend to tend to last just a few months. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, value has been underperforming growth for over a decade, right? But we've had these several month uh, bursts for value at various points. Uh, market might not be so confident <laughs> that, that right. this this value run has legs. We'll we'll see. Kind of a show me story. Um, after it goes so strong for for three four months, might be due for a break. And let's be honest, there have been a lot of people that have said for ten years now, that's it, that's the end. It's time for value relative to growth. And sure enough, growth continues to do well. But again, with all the stimulus and higher yields. Uh, you know, I hate to say what the four most dangerous words, this time is different, but there are some interesting factors. And if you listen to this podcast last year, LPL Market Signals, we were firmly in the growth over value camp last year. And again, the models that we run for our more than 17,000 advisors, and they're, they're you know, literally millions of families that they, they help service, we were tilted growth over value. And we've definitely uh, come back a lot. I mean, Jeff, you know, last year, we were tilted growth over value. Would you say we're more 50-50 kind of growth value right here and right now? Or where, where do you think we'd be, at least in the, the models that we run for our LPL advisors? How do you think we're positioned? I know we've, we've evened it up big time, but how close do you think we are? Yeah, we're we're pretty balanced mm-hmm. right now. So um, yeah, 50-50 is a good way to put it. You know, some people call it a barbell. Yep. It's not an either or. You can own uh, you know, the strong fundamentals in growth, we think, in tech, and tech, and still do well this year. But, um, you know, you want to pair that with the cyclical value areas, like you mentioned, financials, energy, materials, uh, a lot of the industrial sector as well. Those areas of the market are going to benefit most from the reopening yeah. and are most sensitive to near-term uh, economic growth. So we would, we would pair them together uh, and, and not necessarily try to time these rotations, which could go uh, back and forth throughout the year. Oh yeah, and, and violently, and violently. So I have a full disclosure. So we're we're you know recording this using Zoom and recording it for the um, people to listen to on the podcast, but with video. And I folded my arms a second ago, Jeff. So I'm folding them again. You know what I just realized? I've got a tag right here. Like I don't know if you can see it in the video or not. I've got a tag. Okay, I I am positive. I've wore this shirt to work many times, probably five times. I don't even know. So I've got a tag under here. I've just been wearing a tag. So go figure. That's that. That's uh, sums me up. Another fun one. So my wife is actually in Ohio. She she went up there for some family stuff. She left last Tuesday night, and she's supposed to come home Wednesday. So I got the three kids and. You know, they were supposed to have school on Friday. Then all the teachers had to go get the vaccines. They all home Friday. So I'm juggling back and forth. And I am usually do this podcast in the office doing it from home right now because my daughter is still asleep. She's 13. I got to go wake her up here in a minute. Um, But my wife was out of town. I had some buddies over. We watched that UFC fight. Wasn't all that great of a fight, but it was kind of fun to hang out with some friends. And so my wife's in Ohio. All right. 1.30 in the morning, she calls me. And anyone who knows, that's like 
uh oh, what did I do? You know, like <laughs> we're still up having fun, you know. I mean, and, and she's like, Where's Thurn? Where's Walter? And I go, Well, I don't know. Walter's our dog, by the way, my 135 pound Great Pyrenees. I, I don't know. She's like, Someone just called me, said he's walking around the neighborhood. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> so my daughter was still up because she's 13 and she stays up all night, sleeps all day like a vampire. And she she got involved and she ran out and found him. And he was just like next door, just hanging out. But we don't usually let him go out by himself, obviously. And anyway, so I got a little bit of, she knew I had friends over and I was watching the fight. She didn't care about that. It's just, um, you know, the dog got out, but one of my buddies opened the gate and didn't shut it or something, but nonetheless had a good time and Walter was fine. And I got in a little bit of trouble, but the good news is Emily will be home soon and I can stop the juggle of, uh, you know, single parents. I'll tell you single parents out there at this world we're living in. I, 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 we can appreciate you because it is not an easy job at all. So Jeff, let's go. We've got oh five, seven minutes or so. Let's kind of go to the third thing we wanted to talk about this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, kind of a Fed roundup slash economic um, update slash fiscal stimulus update. But let's start with the Fed. Jerome Powell, he was in the news again. It seemed like he's got a speech every week that gets a lot of attention. On Thursday, he spoke with the Wall Street Journal. To be very blunt, I don't think he said anything that we didn't expect him to say, but he said he's comfortable with kind of how policy is, and he's not too concerned about the spike in 10-year yields. As soon as he said that, take a wild guess what happened. 10-year yields spiked up even more on Thursday and hurt growth value. Was there anything else, Jeff? Um, again, we had a big reversal on Friday. By the way, Friday, the NASDAQ finished more than 4% off the lows, and the S&P more more than 3% off the lows. You go back in market history, moves like that, they don't happen every day. And historically, they've kind of been close to marking some major potential turning points. And like we said, NASDAQ was down about 10% on an intraday basis before those buyers started to sniff in and then come back in and sniff some good deals. Jeff, anything else that the um, Fed chairperson Powell said on Thursday that caught your attention or anything um, you know, along the lines of, of um, monetary policy uh, we should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think, Traders are just trying to create a story when there isn't one, right? <laughs> the Fed's not going to do anything yeah. in the near term. We do that and in this podcast sometimes, right? We got to come up with something to say. Not <laughs> <about>. <laughs> I'd much rather hear about Walter's adventures right now than, oh, than yeah. Powell's because uh, he's yeah. not going to do anything anytime soon. Right. Uh, you know, in, in six months, maybe we'll have more signs that this inflation uh, bump is a little more sustainable. I don't know. But um, he's he's not going to do anything until we we get through this little inflation bump and we see evidence that, um, you know, it is or isn't sustainable. Right, exactly. And then I guess part two, that's monetary, right? monetary policy still there. Let's talk a little bit about fiscal policy here, Jeff. Um, I think by the time people hear this, maybe it'll be signed, sealed, and delivered, the $1.9-ish trillion fiscal plan, much higher than what we expected this time six weeks ago. We thought it'd be, I think we were saying maybe almost a trillion, then a trillion and a half, but we were going to get closer to $1.9 trillion. Was there anything in there um, when you got a chance to look in that caught your attention or you think it's going to impact potential portfolios and um, the economy going forward with this next plan? Yeah, I, I think two things, Ron. You know, first, this is... This is going to bring three trillion in fiscal stimulus into the economy in 2021, right? Total yeah. three trillion. We only got two trillion in stimulus, only I say <laughs> two only trillion. Who's counting? Yeah, that's right. Two trillion into the economy in in 2020. So we're getting more this year than last year, and this year, obviously, with the vaccines, everything looks so much better. So that is just massive. That that I think is good perspective. And by the way, as a percentage of GDP, it's like, you know, 
five times what we got after the financial crisis. So, wow. You know, 20% of GDP now. So that's one. Also, look at the consumer. Consumers, um, the savings rate for U.S. consumers is like 20.5%. And now they're going to get an additional massive stimulus. $700 billion will go to consumers in the next five months. And so you add that to the already massive savings rate. It's like, uh, you know, for the inflation uh, fear monger crowd, it is like pouring gasoline on an already raging fire. Um, so th there's just the, the the bridge to the under, other side of this um, is is really really strong right now and, and getting stronger. No, so uh, absolutely. Some interesting stats along the lines of central banks. Our friends at Bank of America. Um, this is again according to Bank of America. They said central banks bought 1.1 billion dollars worth of assets every hour over the past year. That's amazing. And also JP Morgan said that if you look at all the G5 um, major global um, um, uh, banks, the balance sheet of the G5 is over $30 trillion. So that's pretty amazing. Also last year, if you look at the uh, personal savings as a percent of GDP, again, that's in 2020, that's 15% uh, is what the total savings as a percent of GDP were last year. That's the highest number ever. Back in the 70s, when we had massive inflation, there were higher savings rates back then. About 12% is all that we got to. I say all that we got to. But last year, just another record-breaking way to look at it. There's almost $5 trillion in checking accounts as of February, according to data from the Fed. And that was only about $2 trillion. Again, only $2 trillion before the crisis. So there's still a lot of money. People have saved a lot of money, rightfully so, with the uncertainty that's going on out there. All this stimulus, this is kind of why this reopening, with the stock market sniffing out with the cyclical value trade doing so well and likely with the 10-year yield going higher. So, Jeff, let's do a little bit of an economic roundup, and then we're going to sign off this week. The jobs number on Friday came in way better than expected. I'm going by memory. I think it was 379,000 jobs created, nearly doubling what was expected. Big revision, revision higher in January as well. The one caveat to the economy we'd been talking about was, listen, the employment picture has been weak. Friday, that might be showing the start of the change. What, what was your take on the jobs number and kind of what it means for the future and how many jobs we can maybe have created next month? Yeah, that this is a, a really good number because the economy through the reporting period was not even close to fully opened. Right. Uh, right. The, the, the survey's taken mid-month. So, um, you know, between mid-February and mid-March, we're going to get a lot more, right? And so the next job support in early April could be, you know, triple this one, potentially. Wow. Uh, I've seen expectations from some economists north of a million jobs uh, for the March report that we'll get in early April. So this this is um, a great sign. You know, when things aren't open and you're getting big numbers, just just wait until we are open, which is coming. I mean, in two months, uh, this, this economy is going to be pretty much fully opened. Wow, amazing. And then I, I saw, you know, we're getting over 2 million vaccines a day now, almost 5 million total over the weekend. Again, uh, you know, President Biden said that, you know, by, um, I think he said May, I think he said May, May or June, every American that wants to have the vaccine will have an opportunity to get it. Uh, so again, some real positive things. But that's the US, Jeff, we're going to finish with uh, global manufacturing data. Uh, global manufacturing continues to improve, not just in the US, but globally, you want to build on that for a little bit? Yeah, the well, the U.S. was really strong, you know, yeah. up up near 
60, that's um, very strongly expansionary. But if you look at the rest of the globe, I mean, you know, whether it's um, Europe, Japan, China, you know, all these numbers are pretty much either holding steady at strong levels or they're rising, right? And so if you just do basic, uh, you know, relationship between uh, industrial production globally and these global purchasing manager index surveys, uh, it looks like, you know, we're up like 4% year over year now. Again, economies aren't fully open yet, especially Europe. And so we're already growing, at least based on this relationship at 4%. Uh, It looks really good for the global economy this year to grow maybe even as much as five, five and a half percent. Oh, amazing. And then similar to what we've been talking about. And I I remember one thing you you taught me a long time ago was one of the best indicators for future earnings is kind of how the manufacturing is doing. Like six months later, if you have a big jump in manufacturing, six months later, you likely have a big jump in earnings. And this is, again, kind of playing into all of that. So, Jeff, at this point, we've hit the end of the road in this week's LPL Market Signals podcast. Thank you for everyone who continues to listen to this. If you like it, it'd mean a lot to us. You can go um, you know, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a, give us a positive review. If you like the updates on Walter, I'll continue to give the updates on Walter. Whatever you want to hear, we'll, uh, we'll do it for you. But with all of that, everybody, thanks again. Thanks, Jeff, for an awesome conversation. We'll be back next week. Everyone have a great week. See you then. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value. 